I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5 most popular show in the world where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. Today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Adriana Bucci. She is a life coach empowering survivors of narcissistic abuse to heal, set boundaries, and live life on their own terms. She empowers others to heal from narcissistic abuse, emotional and mental abuse, toxic family dynamics, and the emotional, mental, and physical pain that comes along with it. So please welcome to the show, Adriana Bucci. Hey, Makini. So excited to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story and your expertise with us. I'm really excited for this conversation. And I know that the listeners are going to gain so much insight and wisdom from this conversation. So I just want to like jump straight in. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, I have a million questions, so I'm not even going to follow like the formalities of how I normally do the show. I want to jump straight into how did you get to this place where you are today, you know, as a narcissistic abuse recovery coach? Like, tell us your story. Yeah, so I will Cole's note it as best as possible because it is a long, long story. But basically, in a nutshell, chronic pain is what brought me here. So I had chronic pain from 2015 to 2019, and it was like lots of it was located in my jaw, my neck, my upper back, migraines, stuff like that. It was after a wisdom tooth extraction. So I really thought that that's what made everything kind of go downhill in my body. And at the ripe old age of 30, in October of 2018, I ended up getting shingles in my mouth while getting my jaw realigned. I know. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was absolute craziness. And like, this was the second time in my life that I had gotten shingles too. So it's just like, this is just not normal. And I ended up with something called trigeminal neuralgia after. And that is like the nerve on the side of your face. It branches off into three sections. And when you have trigeminal neuralgia, it's extremely painful. It's actually nicknamed the suicide disease because that Mm. is literally how painful it is. Like it was bad. Um, so I was doing everything for my pain, um, chiropractor, physiotherapy, acupuncture, nerve block injections, Botox to paralyze the muscles in my face and head for the migraines. Like it was just an absolute nightmare and disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was randomly scrolling one day at like my rock bottom in Jan 2019. And I found this app called Curable. 
is um I didn't really look into it. It just said like it was for chronic pain. So I impulsively got a one year subscription for it, thinking maybe it's gonna tie me into thinking I don't have pain or something like that. Um, but what it was actually all about, and I got very offended when I figured out what it, what it was all about, was the mind body connection, which is basically this theory that physical chronic pain that lasts for more than six months and there's been no solution and you know nothing works for it. Um, is actually a result of repressed emotions from childhood trauma. So mm. I very reluctantly did this inner work because I had no other options for my pain. Um, I spent like 24 hours being just pissed off that I even signed up for this app. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the next day I was still obviously in pain. So I was like, okay, fine, humor me up. Let's see what happens. And then sure enough, within my first two weeks, I experienced my first five minutes of no pain at all which I thought I was dead, to be completely honest. And um, wow. yeah, like 20% reduction in my pain. So I just kept going. And then within four months, I was completely pain free. I took all the contraptions out of my mouth for like fixing my jaw and all that stuff. The trigeminal neuralgia was gone. The neck pain was gone. It was amazing. And that pretty much inspired me to become a coach. And I was initially going to only be a coach for chronic pain recovery. But as I started sharing a little bit more about like childhood trauma and, you know, if you were raised by a narcissistic parent like me, you might have repressed your emotions because of this, <laughs> this and this. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, you know, everyone resonated like so many more people resonated with a narcissistic parent type stuff. So I started to talk about that and, you know, pretty much most survivors of narcissistic abuse have some kind of chronic pain. So I kind of combine everything now. I have goosebumps right now. Like, so, and, and this is the beauty in sharing our stories. And this is what I love when I speak to women like yourself who are, um, you know, coaching and using your pain to make a difference. Cause I always say our pain births our purpose. Right. But like, I'm listening to your story and there's so many parts in there that I can completely resonate with. So, you know, first of all, uh, I'm sorry you had to go through that experience of not only, you know, dealing with the chronic pain and all the different health diagnoses, but like dealing with a narcissistic parent, because, you know, I've spoken about this many times on the podcast, not only have I had a history of dating narcissistic men, but it's been within the last two years where everything that I've studied um, broke down, you know, how that stems from having a narcissistic parent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were just talking about the pain and all of those things, like in all the studying and stuff that I've been doing, so you talked about January, 2019 and I'm like, Oh my goodness. So I went through probably one of the, the worst breakups I've ever experienced in October, 2019. Oh. And in that process for like three months, you know, I was devastated and, you know, having panic attacks, anxiety attacks and the whole outside world had no idea what I was dealing with on the inside. But in that process, uh, having to um, come to the realization through some healing sessions that the pain that I was in, both physical and emotional, um, I did a session with someone who is uh, certified. Do you know the book, The Emotion Code? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're certified. I can't remember the name of the author of the book, but they did a session on me and released trapped emotions within my body. And it, I was mind blown because it was within that one hour session, the pain was gone in the right side of my neck. The pain was gone from my knee and my ankle. And she told me 
like what emotions they were that were trapped in those parts of the body. So, you know, I love how you've made that connection between the, you know, trapped emotions and the chronic pain and the traumas that we've gone through. Um, I definitely want to speak more to that connection between, you know, chronic pain and psychological abuse. Totally. Yeah. That's amazing that she was able to get the emotions out of you in one session. That's so amazing. And that you made that connection too. And yeah, this is definitely a great thing to further discuss because <laughs> a lot of people don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like yeah. I've had women that have been in my DMs that suffer from different um, chronic ailments, you know, whether it be, um, you know, fibromyalgia, endometriosis, all these different uh, chronic pains. And I've mentioned here and there about the connection between, you know, psychological abuse, but I would love if you could open up more about your experience and expertise about the connection of the two. Yeah. So basically the way that I have conceptualized it in my own mind because of what <laughs> I've been through is um, so pretty much what happens and what I've learned through the work of Dr. John Sarno. Um, he's the one who kind of realized that there is a mind-body connection and he actually coined the term tension myositis syndrome, which is just like a very fancy clinical way of saying the mind-body syndrome or chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of you know what I was doing was based on his work and his discoveries and all that. And um, basically when we're kids and we're like very young, obviously, the brain is of course not fully developed. And so there's like the amygdala that is responsible for interpreting emotions as whatever it interprets it as. So when you're Mm -hmm. being traumatized as a kid, you know, and it doesn't matter, like, of course, there's different types of traumas. So of course, emotional abuse, you can't see that kind of trauma. So a lot of people who have been through childhood narcissistic abuse, they don't even consider it to be trauma, because I sure didn't. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm not traumatized. Like, what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Like this isn't trauma. I didn't grow up in a war zone. Like that's real trauma. I've had like a very sheltered good life. So mm-hmm. of course we all have that, you know, assumption about what trauma is, but there is lowercase t trauma. It doesn't have to be that capital T stuff. Of course, that's all devastating, but so is emotional abuse and that kind of trauma. And so when you are a kid and your emotions are being invalidated, because when you're dealing with a narcissist, like they're not, they the only space that is available is space for their emotions and their rage and their ridiculousness, essentially. And so Mm -hmm. when you're a kid and you have a narc mother, you basically take on this job of like being their emotional caretaker. um, And you're walking on eggshells from birth, essentially. So pretty much when this starts to happen, and a parent starts invalidating your emotions, and you don't have to have a narcissistic parent to have had your emotions invalidated as a kid, there could be Mm -hmm. well meaning parents that you know, they inadvertently do it. But of course, when it's a narcissistic parent, it's another story, of course, and it's very much next level of emotional invalidation. So you're Mm -hmm. being told you're wrong for being angry, you're too sensitive, big girls don't cry, I'll give you something to cry about you know, all that kind of stuff. And even like happy emotions are shot down too, where it's like, if you're too excited about your birthday, um, we're canceling your party because you're way too hyperactive and blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. that causes the brain to interpret the emotions as a life and death situation. So if you're crying about something, your narcissistic mother's like, you're way too sensitive, you're being ridiculous, I'm going to disown you. Um, The child brain interprets it as when I'm sad, my mom doesn't like this. And if I keep doing things that my mom doesn't like, like being sad, she won't love me anymore. If she doesn't love me anymore, I'm going to die. So Mm -hmm. it literally interprets emotions as life and death. So 
this, you know, unconscious belief keeps going throughout your life for decades. It's not like you turn 18 and your brain's magically like, okay, time to interpret emotions as emotions now. Um, Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work that way, (laughs) right? It would be so much easier if it did. Um, And then, yeah, basically, when you repress all of these emotions for decades, they have nowhere to go. They actually stay stuck in the body because emotions are actually a physical process that has to run its course through your body. But nobody knows about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then you end up with chronic pain because the emotions are manifesting in a physical way. And your brain is actually sending you the pain signals so that you don't focus on the emotions and you're focused on your body as like a big distraction towards your emotions. So that's why it's so difficult to even be emotional work because it literally feels like you're going to die from doing it. Um, But once you, you know, convince your subconscious that it's safe to feel your emotions because it obviously is, um, you start wrapping your head around it more and then the healing can actually start happening because you're allowing yourself to feel all of these things that you were not allowed to feel and you blocked yourself off from feeling in order to survive. Wow. So, I mean, everything that you just explained, like, you know, you, you articulated, it's so amazing. Like, so, you know, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't even, you know, have any experience with narcs and things like that, you've made it, you know, so easy to understand. And I'm just connecting it to even the stuff that I do with mindset coaching. Like, you know, when we talk about um, someone that has a disease, if we look at it from the mental perspective and uh, before it gets to the body physically, it's a body that's in dis-ease, right? People don't understand how what's happening in your brain and how you're processing consciously and subconsciously, how that affects our body. And when you talk about the healing process, like, oh, that is so painful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people assume that, you know, when you're healing, things just, you know, automatically get better and feel better. But I can tell you from experience, like the last two years, healing from childhood wounds and healing from past toxic relationships has been so painful. And it's, it's beautiful when you get to the other side. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when you think about the the butterfly, the, you know, the caterpillar when it goes into the cocoon, my son, who's like totally into like National Geographics and, you know, science and stuff, Aww. explained to me how painful it is in that process of the transformation from the caterpillar into the beautiful butterfly. So it's like the same thing with the healing process. A hundred percent. It's, it's brutal. It is brutal, but I don't want to deter anyone from it because (laughs) what you've been through was already brutal, right? So it's like you actually already survived the worst of it by going Mm -hmm. through it and still being alive today. But the healing, it literally feels like you're going to die while you're going through it. It's like, you're basically performing an emotional exorcism on yourself and it's extremely uncomfortable, but so Mm -hmm. worth it. But in the moment, it's just like, oh my God, like this is taking too long. This is horrible. I'm never going to feel better. I'm going to feel like crap permanently. And it's, um, it's definitely, it is not for the faint of heart, but it is so (laughs) worth it. (laughs) It is so worth it. I, I echo those sentiments. Honestly, um, my healing journey, as much as it's been painful, being able to set healthier boundaries and to be able to now feel like I'm thriving in all areas of my life because of the healing is priceless. It's everything. It's amazing. So for for those who are listening, because I know that, you know, especially in 2021, the, the even the word um, narcissism has become, you know, like a buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember 
when I was dating my ex, he had said to me one time, oh yeah, my, my ex called me a narcissist before. So I Googled the word at the time. I'm not thinking anything of it because you know that they like to give you everything in plain sight. Mm -hmm. We just don't look at it that way, right? Of course, yeah. (laughs) And and I Googled it. And at the time, I was like, oh, no, that doesn't really describe you. But then after going through the healing process and, um, you know, some therapy sessions and things and breaking down the difference between someone who is just like a narcissist and someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, Mm -hmm. like two different things. So I... I wonder if you can, you know, explain that to the people who are listening, because some people just assume that a narcissist or, you know, when we're, when we're talking about narc abuse, that it has to do with someone who was just into themselves. So like how, you know, how is that abuse? So yeah, if you can just break it down for those who don't understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't like using the term narcissistic personality just, just because I'm not a clinician, so I can't diagnose. But when I'm saying narcissist, that's who I mean. And the mm-hmm. thing is that like people who are narcissists and have the personality disorder, they're, they're not getting diagnosed because they think they're perfect. They don't think anything's wrong with them. Everybody else is the problem. And they have like no wor- inner work to do whatsoever because they're just perfect. Um, right. So getting them a diagnosis is just completely like pretty much hopeless unless it's court ordered for some reason. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't count on that ever happening, but there's definitely a difference between people who just have narcissistic tendencies and people who are full blown narcissists. So every human has narcissistic tendencies. Like we are all capable of being, you know, self-centered and other people and maybe not even knowing about it or Mm -hmm. knowing about it like we can all manipulate like we're all we all have a dark side of course Mm -hmm. but um when you can take accountability for it and do like some self-reflection and stuff like that and you know make an effort to not be that way then you're Mm -hmm. not a full-blown narcissist you just have tendencies and of course if you're raised by an narcissistic parent of course there's going to be tendencies there because that's how you learned how to be from like your caregivers so you know anyone who's listening who thinks that they are a narcissist first of all you're not if you're even asking (laughs) yourself that question (laughs) because if you were you would not have the ability to even self-reflect like that so that's the first thing that like it needs to be understood by anybody who's even doing research into narcissistic abuse that like the narcissist will not self-reflect. They might pretend to, but what you're going to notice is that the pattern keeps going on and on and on. Right. So they might say they're going to change and then they never do. And then you end up being super disappointed. Then they say they're going to change again. And then they still don't. And then you're still Future disappointed. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. So noticing the pattern and the cycle of abuse as it's happening, the love bomb, devalue, discard, rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And just understanding that, you know, if you are with a full-blown narcissist, not every single day is going to be horrible because there has to be good days in order for them to continue manipulating you into staying in the relationship. So the abuse can continue. Absolutely. And and that's where I guess it messes with your mind, right? Going mm-hmm. from the love bombing to the devaluing back and forth and sometimes yeah. within the same hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally. Within the same sentence sometimes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, I love how you spoke to the point about them not normally being uh, diagnosed. Like I've seen, I've seen in other places I've seen on your page. I've even had someone who is in the medical field, who is a nurse comment on one of my posts about narcs, you know, about diagnosing them. And it's like only 1% will be 
diagnosed because like you said, they don't believe there's anything wrong with them. They're, they're not going to therapy to get fixed. And if they go to like couples therapy, they're going because they believe that there's something wrong with the other person and the therapist is going to fix their partner, not them. Mm -hmm. Like they don't believe anything is ever wrong with them. Okay. So let's, I guess let's break down how to set healthy boundaries, whether it be with a narc parent or partner, um, for those that are listening, how they can set those healthy boundaries. Totally. So the first, the first thing I recommend to anybody who's wanting to set boundaries is to start doing some emotional work because that is going to help you the most with actually setting them and keeping them. Because, you know, when you're setting boundaries with a healthy person, it's, it's a non-issue. Like you just, you say your piece and you say what you want and then they're usually okay with it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if they really overstepped something and had no idea, they'll be pretty apologetic and they'll actually make an effort to not do the thing again. Um, But when you're dealing with a narcissist, of course, it's a completely different ballgame. So they're going to manipulate. They're going to try their hardest to make sure that you're not keeping that boundary. Because at the end of the day, it's all about how much supply you're giving to the narcissist, because that's what they're looking for. And supply is Mm -hmm. your emotional reaction or, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And um, in order to set boundaries with them, you have to understand like how a narcissist's mind works first and foremost, and what they're after and understanding that they have a massive sense of entitlement and they feel entitled to getting supply from you. So when you take that supply away, you better expect them to retaliate, especially with Mm -hmm. how entitlement minded they are. So just having that in mind can be really helpful when it comes to starting to set those boundaries. Um, And, you know, you're definitely, you know, if you are a survivor of narcissistic abuse, you're probably like, you have a very empathic nature about you. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're going to feel bad about everything when you are setting the boundaries. You're going to feel like you're the meanest person ever because they're going to basically let you know that you're a horrible person and how dare you and look how much you hurt me by setting this boundary. So Mm -hmm. just expecting that and being able to predict that can be so valuable and allowing yourself to process the emotions that you have about your boundaries and about the action to your boundaries. Because at the end of the day, you cannot control how somebody else reacts to pretty much anything that you say or do. And the narcissist is going to have whatever reaction they think will manipulate you into giving them what they want regardless. So just keeping that in mind and having that at the back of your head when you are starting to set boundaries is going to be super valuable because you're going to know what to expect. And you're not going to be surprised when the predictable behavior keeps happening over and over and over again. And then you can stop emotionally reacting to them because if you're doing your emotional work on your own time, um, you're going to be a lot less reactive and you won't be giving them that supply. And you'll Mm -hmm. be able to just stand there and kind of watch them running around in circles, doing different theatrical things to try and get a response out of you. And then it actually ends up being kind of funny afterwards once, <laughs> once you do a bit of feeling. <laughs> totally. I, I'm laughing because, you know, it was very hard for me when I realized that I have uh, a narc parent and it was very hard to set boundaries at first. And then, you know, once you start to study, the narc behaviors and they start to do certain things and you're like oh okay you know i get it this is what they're doing this is what they're doing okay this is what i need to do to react and there was a, a situation about a year ago where i had set a boundary because you know the parent kept showing up 
um, at my house unannounced and we don't live close. So I was like, you can't do that. I I work from home. I have three children. Like you can't do that. Um, And I had, uh, yeah. (laughs) So I had a, a, one of my children was ill and the NARC parent just kept showing up. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm 41 years old. Like I, I can do this. I can parent my children. Thanks. And when I expressed that we need some space and, you know, there needs to be notification before showing up at my house or, you know, doing certain things because I have boundaries. They basically got so upset and said that they told their friends, I'm treating them so bad. And I'm, and I was like, uh, how? So at first my feelings were hurt and I was like, okay, well now you're telling untruths about me. And I was feeling very uncomfortable with it. But now I've gotten to the point where it's almost like I've, like you said, you know, you have to remove your emotion from it. So I've, I've removed I guess feeling um, overly guilty about it. It's been quite, quite the process. Yep, quite the process. Way easier said than done. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, for those that are listening, you know, what are some some things that someone who has experienced narc abuse can do to start healing? So, baby steps first of all, and like just going into the healing journey with the mindset of like, it's just going to take however long it's going to take without putting, you know, a timeline on it. Because if you do, and you say like, okay, in like, eight weeks, I'm going to feel so much better. um, You're not, (laughs) you're setting yourself up to definitely fail, because it's really a lifestyle change. And it's a lot of mindset stuff, but incorporating the emotions into the mindset stuff is what's going to make the mindset stuff actually click. So the best thing to do, you know, starting to journal is a really great way of doing it. And not the dear diary, this is what I did today. And this is what I'm documenting today kind of journaling, like that's not going to be helpful. I like to call it rage journaling. Um, It's officially called I think aggressive writing or something like that. But basically, you just pen paper, 20 minute timer, vomit whatever's on your mind onto that paper, and then you destroy the paper after the 20 minutes and do that every day, see where it takes you. And you're going to start being able to like identify emotions that are coming up in your body because the whole purpose of doing the journaling is to kind of drop the story behind the emotions. And Mm -hmm. when the story is still fresh and it's like, you know, ruminating in your mind over and over and over, how are you going to drop into your body and allow yourself to feel your emotions? Right? Because it's like, there's that fixation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, this is what happened. And this is what happened. And this is what happened. So getting that (laughs) out is super cathartic. And then you'll be able to make space for yourself to feel your emotions and just understanding that your emotions are a physical process. So you're going to feel it in your body. It's going to feel like you can't breathe. It's going to feel like a hot flash. It's going to feel like, you know, a lump in your throat or like you're going down on a roller coaster and your stomach is in knots. Like that's what emotions feel like. And it can happen anywhere in your body. And it's just important to understand that it's safe to feel your emotions because understanding that the reason that you don't want to feel your emotions is because your brain interpreted it as unsafe in childhood. So Mm -hmm. bringing that sense of safety is going to be key to actually being able to do the work. So whether you're just reminding yourself that it's safe, or you have like a post it note that you see everywhere that says it's safe to feel my emotions, that's going to start like speaking to your subconscious eventually. And it's going to make doing the inner work a lot easier. So just, you know, start small, Don't try and assume that you're going to be fully healed like overnight because it realistically did not take you overnight to get to the point where you realize I need to heal from something. Um, Mm -hmm. So just being patient with yourself and just understanding that if you didn't even 
come across this information or embark on this healing journey that you would still literally be exactly in the exact same spot that you were before any of this truth started to come out. So just looking at it that way is going to be super important and just starting with something, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of great coaches out there. There's options like that. You can also do it on your own. It, you know, it's a little more difficult, of course, but it can be done. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, with therapy, it can be hit and miss because not every therapist is even comfortable talking about narcissistic abuse. Yep. And you need someone that's that a whole specializes hole. in it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. If they don't, they like, can do more damage. 100%. Like, that's what happened to me. I went to so many therapists, and it really kept me stuck in mm -hmm. the dynamics. Um, you know, there was a narcissistic relationship that I was in and the therapist kept saying that like it was all my fault. So I was like, okay, let me continue like bending over backwards and, you know, continue giving mm -hmm. this person supplies. So it was just, uh, it really kept me stuck longer than it needed to. And it's unfortunate that that's how it is for so many of us survivors. Um, mm -hmm. But what's important to understand is that the issue is not you. At the end of the day, the issue is the other person. You're the one who gets to heal from it, though. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, you know, when you spoke to your experience with a therapist, um, we had a, a guest that was on previously, and she specializes in domestic, like intimate partner domestic abuse. And she was in a marriage with a narc for almost 20 years. And she spoke to her having to interview eight different it was eight or 12 different therapists before finding the right one for her because, you know, not having a therapist that specializes in narc abuse or not having a coach that specializes and understands can continue to further gaslight you and make you question your reality and do more damage than good. So I think, you know, the work that you do is so important where you specialize in it and you help because, you know, we already know. <laughs> Although they may not be diagnosed, there are way more narcs out there than people realize. It's not mm -hmm. something that's uncommon. Um, so the work that you do is so important. And I guess I would love to know, because it's such a heavy topic, and I know even as I was healing and going through it and speaking about it openly on Instagram and um, you know a couple episodes we did on the podcast, but it was triggering for me. It was very heavy and emotional for me. So I, I didn't feel that I was cut out to focus on the topic. So I would love to know, like, how do you stay motivated? Um, honestly, like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I just feel like this is what I have to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and it's totally triggering. Absolutely. And I can definitely say that, you know, when I first started out as a coach versus now, it's like, I am next level for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot less triggering for me now. So I mean, I definitely had to do a lot of emotional work myself as I started coaching because it's just a lot and it can be very, very heavy. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I guess now that I have like the tools and I know what to do and I know how to work through it. Um, that's what keeps me motivated because I just feel like I I mean, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but I just feel like I have this mission here to yeah. help as many survivors to heal from this because it's such a, it can feel like such a hopeless situation when you're in it. And yeah. just knowing that there are people out there that have healed and are thriving and, you know, their life looks completely different now because they've cut the crap out of their life, basically, mm. both mm -hmm. emotionally and relationally. It's, um, it's I definitely think that it's something that the world needs more of. So yeah, I just kind of 
keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I will definitely have to add you to my arsenal of uh, tools and resources because there's always women that are emailing or in my DMs and they're looking for support. And, you know, even though I've had the experience, that's not my area of expertise. So, you know, there are other people that I connect them to that help them, whether it be to transition out of an unsafe uh, narc environment or, you know, to get the support that they need. So I am definitely going to add you to that toolbox to send people to because the work that you're doing is so important. And there are so many people that have experienced narc abuse that feel alone. And when they have someone that understands because you've been through it, so you're not going to further invalidate their experiences, they feel seen and heard. And that's you know, a part of getting them to even open up to start the healing process. So I just think it's so amazing what you what you do. Like, what inspires you the most about what you do? Oh, well, thank you so much, first of all. Um, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> and yeah, just, you know, getting to witness people who like really, really believed that they had something so wrong with them. And just seeing that light bulb moment go off where it's like, wait a minute. No, I did see what I saw. I did go through what I went through. And mm-hmm. I did the best that I could with the information that I had. And oh my gosh, like, I am done with this bullshit. And you know, like, the yeah. the breaks that happen that I celebrate with my clients, just the most amazing thing ever. And even when people like go no contact or low contact with a narcissistic parent, and they start to just see the truth because when you're an adult child of a narcissistic parent like first of all you're so brainwashed into protecting that parent and Mm -hmm. you can't say anything bad about them so you feel guilty throughout the entire process but then you know eventually there's that light bulb moment that goes off and it's like wait a minute oh my gosh I gray rocked Mm -hmm. and I observed and predicted literally everything that was going to happen And Mm -hmm. this is absolutely what I'm dealing with after all. And just, you know, just witnessing people stop and gaslighting themselves is what really like pumps me up and, you know, just seeing the amazing things that they do with their lives after, you know, a few, a few of my clients have actually gone on to like start their own coaching practices too, now that they've done their healing. So it's just, it's amazing. The domino effect of healing. I love that. Healed people, heal people. Love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Love it. Amazing. (laughs) So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to quickly tell people where they can stay connected with you online to get more of your valuable information and insights. For sure. So um, the best place to follow me is at Let's Get Your Shift Together, shift with an F, all one word. And um, you can find me on TikTok too, but I'm not on there too, too often. Um, And yeah, Instagram's pretty much where you'll be able to get like the latest updates on like what I'm offering and all that kind of stuff. So that's... uh, the best spot to find me. Awesome. So I'll definitely have the links to those in the uh, details section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. They won't have to search too far. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. So for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. You know, I just asked you like maybe uh, five quick reflection questions. You say the first thing that comes to mind, whether it be one word or one sentence. And... We'll start with, what's a new belief, behavior, or habit that has improved your life in the last five years? Ooh, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like the the habit of journaling. Awesome. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. 
Dr. Sarno, the mind-body prescription. Love it. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Family. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understand. Um, If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? You're not crazy because you're not. Love it. Love it. Last but not least, name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, or energy. I think working with my own coaches has been the best investments that I've made ever. Love it. Uh, I love that answer for so many reasons because I believe all the best coaches have a coach. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Adriana, if there is any question you feel I didn't ask you that you want to share, you know, with the listeners, that would be a value. Is there anything you can think of? I feel like you asked some pretty good questions. I mean, the main thing that I just want to emphasize to listeners is that if you are suspecting that you're dealing with a narcissist, you're not alone first of all, and you're not crazy, second of all. And like, I just think that's the biggest thing to understand because it's so crazy making the way that narcissists behave and Mm -hmm. the way that they just project their stuff onto you so that you feel like you're the problem 24 seven. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I would just invite you to just kind of observe the patterns that have happened with this person who's trying to make you believe that you are completely out of your mind and start realizing that you're not and it is actually Mm -hmm. not you you just happen to be there and they're trying to get the fly out of you I love that you know as soon as you said that it made me think of it was I forgot where I read it but it was basically like narcissists are crazy making machines so you know if you if you were dating someone and they say all their exes are crazy yeah they they've created that crazy exactly (laughs) red flag (laughs) red flag red flag yeah if you ever hear that you full stop run (laughs) (laughs) run I want to thank you so much for just taking the time to join us and for sharing your expertise, Adriana. I truly, truly appreciate you and the work that you do. And I want you to know that, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of yours. I totally consume your content. It has made a difference in my world and helped to educate me. And I want all the listeners to go out and follow you. And just like you said, like, if you feel that you are with a narcissist or anything like that. Like you're not crazy. It's, it's not you. There are so many people who are out here that have experienced the same thing that can resonate with you and, you know, help to validate your stories and your experiences. So don't sit behind, you know, that closed door and and take it because you're, you're not alone. You don't have to. Yeah. 100% could not agree more. And thank you so much for the kind words. I'm so glad that my content resonates with you as well. And thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It was so great just sharing all of this and I hope it's going to help a lot of people. It certainly will. It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. To all of you legacy leavers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. I just love hearing what resonates with you most. And definitely a huge thank you to those of you that continue to listen every week and help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% most popular shows out of all podcasts, and that's over 2.5 million shows. 
If you want to join the community of Legacy Leavers, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and receive a free copy of the Gratitude Journal. You can also grab any one of my personal development books available online everywhere. If you could think of one woman that would receive value from today's show, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Adriana at Let's Get Your Shift Together. And you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. Continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.